This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Are you sick and tired of biased hockey talk? Then you have come to the right place. The Drop focuses on the St. Louis Blues, but we also delve into other news from around the NHL. So tell the ref you don't mind the game misconduct penalty. You were headed to the locker room anyway to listen to The Drop. Here's your host, Lance Descott. It's that time again for another edition of The Drop Podcast. But we're going to do something a little different. You guys know a couple weeks ago, I had... uh, Ray and Tim on from bluesrants.com. Sarah wasn't able to join me. So I thought I would have Sarah from Blues Rants on today. We're going to talk about a lot of stuff about the blues, what's going on around the NHL, and basically whatever comes to our minds, whatever we blurt out, you guys will hear. Welcome to the show, Sarah. It's great to finally be able to have you on. Thanks. I appreciate it, Lance. Are we all entertained yet? Because I sure am. I am loving this 11-game win streak we're on currently. Love it. Yeah, I think somebody, if they were a betting type of person, when the Blues were in last place or second to last in the league, and if somebody went to Vegas and said, I'm going to bet straight up that by the end of February, the Blues are going to be in the third spot in the playoffs, I bet you could take somebody to give you at least 5-1 to one or 10-1 to one odds on that, and you'd have made a lot of money. Oh, yeah. I was a little I, less I optimistic. I definitely would have. Uh, than you were, uh, but I, I saw you know, someone like a, tweet out. I think it was Dan Buffa that tweeted out. Uh, what was it yesterday? That the Blues have gone undefeated in 29 days, or something like that. That's uh, pretty awesome. I kept saying I will start believing in this team when they can win five, six, seven in a row, eight out of ten, nine out of ten. That's when I'll start believing. I think they've got the talent to do it. It's going to be hard to to overcome all those teams. And unless they would have went on this winning streak, and let's say they would have only won, let's say, 6 out of 11 or 7 out of 11, they'd still be playing good. They they wouldn't be you know as good as they are now, but I don't think anybody's seen this. And I'm glad that they are doing this because people kept telling me, you're negative, Lance. You don't like the Blues. You always bring out the bad stuff. And I kept telling them, when they start winning, I'll bring out good stuff. And I try to be positive. You know, we all try to be positive, but when a team is playing bad, you can't sit there and sugarcoat it like some people do. But I'm just totally amazed at Tarasenko's 12-game point streak. And the guys at the beginning of the season that were working hard, O'Reilly, Shin, and, of course, Schwartz and a few other players, they're still working hard. And we're going to get Perron back, hopefully, within the next couple couple of days to a couple of weeks here. just depends on how he's doing. Uh they haven't actually said why he's out, but I have a good good indication or a good feeling that it's probably a concussion, and they're probably keeping him out uh, for for precautionary purposes to make sure that he's okay. Which I'm I'm glad because uh, that's almost like adding at the at the trade deadline when we get him back. So, um, but yeah, I mean you can just see in all the players are all upbeat, and you know O'Reilly has basically been the same this entire time he's been a fantastic acquisition and he basically put the whole team on his shoulders and he drags everybody into the fight whether you want to be kicking or screaming or not you know so he's he's been doing very very well the whole team has and they just kept kind of blown up the entire western conference when they first traded for him i'd like the trade but i did have some concerns because i do know some people in the buffalo organization and 
one of them told me that he's great, you know, that some of those issues that they say in the locker room with him aren't that way. And then another gentleman told me that he's bad in the locker room, so on and so forth. He's not a team player, doesn't work hard, doesn't show up every night. And you know, that first interview they had with him, and I can't remember who it was. It was either on a Sunday evening after the trade or the next morning. And once he talked for five minutes, he had a positive attitude. He's a team player, and he was excited to come to the Blues. Yeah, he really was. And, I mean, I can't speak for the Buffalo locker room because, obviously, I don't play, and I don't play for them or the Blues locker room, for that matter. But there is something to be said about the chemistry in the locker room. It's possible that O'Reilly was a great influence, but depending on who he was paired with or who was in the locker room at the time, you know, personalities clash. People have big egos, you know. So, I mean, it, that could have contributed to a little bit of, of that kind of negative talk about him. I mean, I don't, I don't really know. But, you know, it's, there's something to be said about some situation like that. And then once he comes over here and gets a fresh start, you know, he wants to be a part of, of the Blues. He thinks the team's going to go in the right direction, and he wants to be a part of that. You know, and he's, he's excited because it basically uh, reignited his, his passion for hockey, which he happened to mention that he was losing in Buffalo from losing multiple times, multiple seasons. So, you know, it's a situation where he just, a fresh start does a guy good. Does, does apparently did him good for a little bit. It did Buffalo good. Then Buffalo got kind of bad, but, you know, it's a, it's a, a different change of pace for both uh, the team and the player. So it's and it's worked out fantastic for us. I think we definitely want to yeah, trade. I'm very one. happy to. Moving on from the newcomer O'Reilly, I wanted to talk to you about Jay Bowmeister. You and I both know that he was injured last season. I think they brought him back too early. I think you'll agree with me on that one. But this season, you could just tell Sarah from the beginning that something wasn't right just watching the guy skate. And forever, I was saying it. Other people were saying it. Uh, Mike Yo would say, "No, he's fine. Nothing's wrong with Jay Bowmeister." I think he's played great, even after allowing, you know, two goals, I believe, to go off his body because he was right in the crease. And Mike Yo's still backing him up. And I understand you got to back a guy up. But, you know, all he's got to say is, Jay's not 100% right now. We're working on getting him back healthy. I'm sure he's be fi- he'd be fine. And that really didn't happen until the very end when they finally set him because his play was so bad. I believe he was a minus 12 or minus 13. And it wasn't anything against the guy. He's logged a bunch of minutes. He played 26 to 28 minutes a game in Calgary. He's not a young guy. He's a big, tall guy. And that injury he had on a guy his size and his build is going to take a while for him to recoup. And I'm going to tell you, in this last five, six weeks, I would argue with anybody that would say that he's not been our best defenseman. He's been fantastic. I mean, uh, <laughs> well, uh, I I can't say en- enough good things about Bo Meester. And, and I'm one of the ones where – I I was right in the same vein as you where I looked at him and he looked good at uh, a training camp. He really did. He looked a lot better than he did last year, but you can tell a lot of what happened defensively for us at the beginning of the year was just, he did seem like he could keep up and if he couldn't keep up, he drew a penalty and that always put us back on our heels for the penalty kill. So it. I don't necessarily understand why Yo said what he did and did what he did. And uh, uh, the only thing I could think of is he was actually just throwing himself underneath the bus for his player, which I admire. That's not something that's easy to do. Um, but definitely, he's Bowmeister has looked fantastic. 
You know, he's he's him and Pareko have got a really, really good tandem going on. And he, I mean, Bomeister's jumping up in the play. He's allowing Pareko to be jumping up in the play. And that's also a good uh, a good setup with the forwards, too, because the forwards are back checking really well. They're making sure that if Pareko or Bomeister is up there, someone's hanging back to catch anybody going the other way. So, I mean, it's a lot. The communication is a lot better than it was at the beginning of the year. And the defense have definitely benefited from it as well as forwards. And the goalie. I mean, everybody has benefited from sure it. Sure they have. And, you know, one thing that you can really see he's improved on is his outlet passing. He's more confident in it. And when oh, yeah. Jay Bowmeister starts yeah. doing that, those big outlet passes from the defensive end are on their side of the center line. That really helps the Blues big time get out of their end. And that's probably one of the biggest things that's impressed me since he's gotten healthy. He's got more confident in that strong outlet pass. Yeah. And I mean, it's the entire team. It's not just Bowmeister that's benefited from it. It's the entire team. I don't know what uh, drills they've been doing lately because I haven't actually been over at, uh, over at practice for a couple months now. It's been kind of crazy on my end. But I mean, I'm noticing a lot more tape to tape passes. I, I don't know what's what's going on or what happened, but suddenly our passing is a lot better and we're actually putting it on each other's tape. Beforehand, it was always a little bit too late or too soon or got turned over or something to that extent where they couldn't control the puck and they couldn't make those outlet passes. They couldn't do seam passes the way that they're doing now. I mean, uh, a great example is Schwartz's goal last night. I mean, from from what was it, Bozak to, to or no, Steen to Bozak to, to Schwartz. I mean, right there in front of the net. And I'm like, how can you guys not block that? You know, Toronto, what are you doing? Like, how are you allowing them to make those very quick, very seamless passes in a very condensed area go through without putting a stick in the lane? There's just, I, I couldn't even explain it, how that happened that way. It reminded me a lot of the Blues at the beginning of the year when they would allow all those crisp passes and they wouldn't defend against them. Mm-hmm. And we'd sit there and go, how, how can they do this? How can they let a guy like that get open? Or how can they allow that pass to get through? There's three guys right there. Yeah, like, like in the game against Winnipeg. I was actually at that game and I'm like, he gets one and I'm like, okay, we can recover from this. He gets two in. I'm like, okay, and I'm feeling less likely. He gets three in. I'm like, I'm here. I have to sit. I have to watch the game. I want to watch the game. And yet I don't want to watch the game because that just, and they, they asked him on, on his, his, you know, post game interviews, how did you get open that much? And he's like, I have no idea. I'm like, well, I don't either. (laughs) Besides the fact that we just basically got lit up and because we're not putting our sticks in the line, you know, we're not blocking those shots. We're literally just leaving one of the, deadliest scorers at least for that month now hasn't been lately but you know one of the more pretty high-end scorers on the winnipeg Jets' team basically take us to church talking about guys that really have played well this year david perron and you talked about lindros and concussions i call him mr concussion which is very sad because it ended his career early but we all know about that concussion that perron got from that Thornton hit. I was at the game and I just couldn't believe that nobody stood up for Perron after that hit and they just let it happen. Nobody called him on it. And years later, he's still being affected from it. And 
And from what I understand, it might be the reason why he's out now. I can't confirm that. The people I know in the Blues are being very tight-lipped about it. But David Perron, I thought, would come over and give us 10 or 12 goals, maybe 30 assists. But he has just really played great. Still has some bad penalties, but he's cut down on those a little bit. How impressed have you been with David Perron this year? I couldn't have asked for anything better in Perron. I mean, I I was very happy that he re-signed here. And a lot, I know a lot of people, especially the guys on Twitter, were like, oh, well, we're not sure. You know, he did great. Uh, he put up, what, 66 points in Vegas, I want to say. Uh, and, but he was playing on, you know, playing with that team. And that was basically he peaked at that point. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know what? I think he's going to be, be better than a lot of people think he will be because he's playing for the team that he loves. Not knocking Vegas at all. I know that he loved that team. I read an article from The Athletic that he absolutely loved the team. Uh, never truly wanted to leave, but I always feel like St. Louis, because we were the ones that drafted him, he came back. He, he, the St. Louis Blues are the only team that he's actually signed with. What, three times, four times now? Um, but for some odd reason, as much, I always felt like he would play better when he came home, home being St. Louis, because this is where he basically grew up. This is where he, he raised a fan or started to raise a family with like he's so invested in the community and we'll every single person has this happen where we have that one place in our hearts that will always be in our hearts um may not be home it may just be some place that just we love to go to that we it feels like home or it's a little piece of, of what we love from home but I always felt like when Perron came home this time that he would do a lot better than he did even in previous years, even in Vegas. Like he would just take this and run with it because he's playing in front of the crowd that he loves, playing for the team that he loves. He's got that crest on the front. He's not playing for the name on the back. He's with some of the best players in the National Hockey League on whatever line he happened to be on, whether it's with O'Reilly or Shen or whatever. But he was going to be as good, if not better, than he was in Vegas. That was the way that I felt about him. And he hasn't disappointed in that regard at all. And I really wish that uh, when he's ready, he's able to come back. And, I, again, I use that if because we don't know how long he's going to take. This could be something that maybe, as you said, your, your sources are a little tight-lipped, and that's fine. But, you know, it really is dependent on the player. It's dependent on how he heals. You know, he's not – as young as he was before, you know, he's what, 34, 35, somewhere in there, 33. So, I mean, he's not a young player that will bounce back really, really quick. Um, he's actually and 30. Okay. See, this is why I can't math. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't looked at yeah, the he was born lately. in He was born in 1988. He'll be, he'll be 31 this year. Oh, oh, geez. Now I feel really bad. He's my age. That's <laughs> <laughs> 31. Wow, that's crazy. Anyway, so yeah, um, this again, Sarah can't math. Put that down. Sarah can't math at all, and she has not looked at the roster anytime soon. Um, <laughs> but again, thirty-one, he's he's not going to take as as short of a time to heal from things as he would if he was twenty-one. I mean, it's it's scientific. It's biology. It's it's proven that your body kind of takes a little bit longer uh, as you get older in age. And 
concussions are in and of themselves are tricky. If that's exactly what he, if that is what he has. Again, we don't know. That's my estimated guess that he's got one, but I don't particularly know. If he does, they are very tricky to handle. You know, you've seen multiple times when a young guy gets a concussion and ends his career. You know, uh, Chris Pronger is a great example of that. You know, he took he took a, a crazy bounce, uh, took a stick to the eye, and look what happened. He had to end his career. He could have gone for at least a couple more years with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, same with Al McKinnis, you know. But, you know, that kind of stuff compounds. You get one, you heal from it, okay, but that's an, that's an area where if you get another one, it just kind of sort of piles up and compounds. Takes a little bit longer every time. I had told people that I would be happy with him if he would do his average, which is around 13 and a half, 14 goals a year before this year and around 20, 21 assists a year. If I was just going to be happy if he did that, so far I think he's got 17 goals and 18 or 19 assists, and uh, he was on a pretty good tear before he got hurt. I think he's probably going to end up with 21, 22 goals, and if, that, that is if he comes back in time, and maybe 23, 24 assists, which for a guy around $4 million, that, that's not too bad. And, and you know, I, I, did, I, I didn't think he would get his 50 assists that he had in Vegas last year. A lot of people told me I was nuts, but I just didn't see that. But I've been very happy with his production. And to be honest, the way that the Blues are going right now, I'm not saying that we don't need Perron, because we do. We need every single person on this team to be pulling their weight and rolling in the same direction. But at the same time, we're playing pretty good, even without his contribution. So if we... If he's out for the rest of the regular season, but he comes back in the playoffs, that's just going to be more incentive for him to to really get in there and get the motor going. So, I mean, it's it's a, it's a tricky situation to see what's going to happen with him. I hope he does come back before the season's over. But you know, if we only get him back in postseason, then that's that's and that's the best that he can do. Then by all means, let's have him back. Let's get him in there. Let's let's get him going. Because anything that he does at this point doesn't matter if it's a, a goal, two goals, or fifteen, or whatever. Anything that he can do is going to be fantastic for the team. I don't know what the Blues are going to do next year for a backup goalie if Bennington keeps playing this way. But in my mind, if Bennington keeps playing this way and Allen can come in and be a decent backup for the most part, I don't see them moving on from Allen. If Bennington shows in these last twenty-three games. He plays 17, 16, 17 of them, and he doesn't do well, then maybe they move on from Allen and try to find somebody else. But right now, if Bennington keeps playing this way, I just don't see them moving on from Jake Allen. Well, they definitely need to re-sign Benner, and that's probably going to happen within the next, I want to say, a couple weeks, probably after the trade deadline. And there's absolutely no reason for them not to. There's with the, With the numbers that he's put up, the wins that he's got underneath his belt, he set the rookie record, you know, eight in, eight in a row, I think now, or nine in a row. I can't remember. It's been a long day. But yeah, all that, there's goals against average underneath two, you know, 0.9 something save percentage, which again, I don't math. I don't have the information right here in front of me. But basically, he's been phenomenal in every way, shape, form, whatever you want to put it down as. He's been phenomenal. And I think at this point, especially with him coming in and Allen's 
starts reduced. I really feel that the Blues will try to move on from Allen a little bit here. Uh, they may keep him. Depends on how the trade market is. Depends on how, how it is here now in the next couple of days and at the, at the draft. We don't know uh, what's going to happen exactly, but uh, it's possible that they're, they're looking for something more. It's possible that they're, they're still have their sights on Huso, which I uh, love Billy Huso, really pulling for the kid, but I don't see him up here personally for at least another year, especially with how bad his AHL record has been down there. Um, and he's got a couple other goalies in and out who have done better than he has. And, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. But I definitely believe that Binner has earned himself at least another $1 million contract for a year or two, if not more than that. Yeah, the only thing that concerns me, as a lot of people are saying, you know, they're going to get rid of Allen and bring up Huso. I wouldn't do that for two reasons. Bennington's sample size this year is going to be 30, you know, 30 games, I believe, 30-some-odd games. Agreed. Do you want yeah. a guy that started 30-some-odd yeah. games and a guy that's never proven himself in the NHL to be your goalie tandem? I mean, the Kings are thinking about doing that. If you get rid of Allen, who do you bring in? The only guy that has done well of a goaltender that the Blues could probably afford is going to be Lenier from the Islanders. I don't see him going yeah. somewhere where he's not going to be a starter and he's not going to want four or five million dollars a year. So they're in a tough position here because if you trade Allen, what do you do? I don't remember all the names off the top of my head, but but Leonard is is the best available goalie next year when it comes to free agency that the Blues could afford. The rest of them are just stop gaps like a Chad Johnson. And I don't think the Blues want to go that route. No, I don't think so either. And I, I like you, don't know everybody that's going to be on the market for, for a goalie. I know that, if I remember correctly, it's actually going to be pretty slim pickings for goalies this next season. It is very slim. I think it's, it's more along the forwards. Uh, there's going to be a lot of available forwards. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the Blues are in a tough spot because you can't, you you can bring Puso up next season. You can see how he plays, but you know again his AHL record hasn't exactly been stellar like everybody thought he would. He's been injured, and you know I personally think that if Puso's the the goalie of the future, you want to develop him right. You want to make sure that he's he's got his mechanics right. He's got his head on straight, and he's making good decisions in the net. You don't want someone that's going to just get thrown in there, thrown to the wolves, which you could, but without that veteran presence in the back, it's kind of hard to, to have that happen and not have someone to lean on. And that's what I think Allen provides for Bennington is he's been in the league for in the NHL for a while. Uh, and Bennington can, can kind of talk to him, kind of lean on him for what Jake does or doesn't do that he can incorporate into his own game plan. He's got that person behind him that is able to mentor him a little bit and work with him. And, you know, it's, it's nice to just bounce ideas back and forth with someone like that. So if you put two up and coming goalies, two rookies in the NHL, it's yeah, you can do it, but it's not, not wise. Not, I don't think it would be very wise. The blues have a lot to think about before the trade deadline this summer. And then of course, before next year, when it comes to their goaltending situation. Sarah, I wanted to talk to you about a huge free agent that might be traded here shortly. Artemi Panarin, the bread man. He's such a good player. 
I would give up an awful lot to get him to St. Louis. But unless something changes and they move salaries around, the Blues definitely could not afford him after this season. Something would have to change. But somebody is going to end up getting him. And at least, you know, after this season, I've talked to some people in Columbus and their GM, Sarah, and I'm just, I'm just shocked. And he's talking about keeping him and not getting any compensation. And I understand you want to do well in the playoffs. But one of my biggest things that I always thought Armstrong didn't do, and I love David Backus, is that the year that we played San Jose, and you can say Backus had his best playoff ever, and we got to the conference finals, but they got nothing for him. They got nothing for him, and they could have gotten something for him. Could they have went to the conference finals without him? Maybe, maybe not. But he walks, he goes to another city, it's, I just hate seeing teams lose something on a guy that they gave, you know, not, not a lot for, for Chicago. They gave up a decent amount, but do you think the Blue Jackets are going to move him or do you think they're, they'll keep him and try to make a playoff run? Oh man, you asked me the hard question. Why Lance? Why? <laughs> oh man. Uh, oh, I can see it going both ways. I mean, if Columbus is going to move him, they're going to want a centerman. Because I I looked at a couple articles here and there, and that's kind of what they're trying to target is centermen. Because they want someone to, to really solidify that the middle of the ice can play a 200-foot game and can score and set up plays well. So, it, I'm... Um, but they also love Panarin. I know they're also trying to to, to shove off Bobrovsky, of course. Um, I know that they that Panarin switched his his agent to the same agent as Bobrovsky, so people have been considering that maybe, possibly, maybe they'd be going in on a package, not just having Panarin by himself, but having Bobrovsky as well. Oh, man, I can I can see it both ways, and I guess the best answer I can say is for the right price, anybody can move anyone. If it's, if it's what they're looking for, if that's what they're, if they're going to go out and go get some sort of elite centerman, uh, if they're going to, to be looking for that or a winger that's better than Panarin, which I don't think there's anybody else out there, but, you know, uh, or a combination of players that can, that can make up a difference with Panarin or, or, a, or a, a high draft pick or something to that extent. I personally, as much as I would love to see him with a blue note on his chest, I don't think Panarin's going to come here. The only way that it would, the only way that it would, is if uh, we gave up a lot. Number one and number two, he swore that he was going to sign here again, which I don't see either one happening personally, um, because I have a feeling what Columbus will be asking would be too much. They probably would be asking for Cairo. They would be asking for Thomas. They would be asking for somebody that would be a high quality prospect or a group of, of players. And at this point, subtracting players after we finally got our, our groove on here, I feel that that would be just as detrimental as adding a whole bunch of players. Um, maybe one or two here and there, but, but, you know, subtracting two or three players on the current roster, 
for Panarin and adding just one and trying to, to scramble to, to find the chemistry again. I will tell you this much, Sarah. I know what they've asked from other teams. I don't see the teams that are, might get him, like uh, Dallas wants him bad. I don't know if you heard that. Uh, basically, right now, what they're asking for, two number ones, two top prospects that are already in the, an organization, and an existing player is what they're asking for. See, and you tell me that, and I look at, if I was standing in front of the GM of, of the Blue Jackets right now, I'd be, you're out of your mind, honestly. Not that he's not worth that. Honestly, not because he's worth that, okay? I get it. Panarin is worth all of that and probably more. I get it. I love the player. I think he would be, he, he, he's, he's, he is like that one generational player that you get kind of kind of kind of the same boat uh maybe on another tier but in the same category as a Crosby a McDavid a Tarasenko like he is that star power player that is a cut above the rest and I am not knocking anything that he has done for the Blue Jackets or the God help me for saying this but the Hawks the Blackhawks you know I know what Artemi Viterna is capable of. I get it. He's definitely worth everything that they're asking. But to say that now at the trade deadline for a player that you are not sure is going to sign with you again for the next season or more than one season beyond that, you're out of your mind. That's personally what I think. Because I don't, I think you're giving a lot, and, and I'm going to use this term very loosely, mind you, but I think you're giving up way too much for a flash in the pan that may not happen again, if that makes any sense. The only way I would do a trade for uh, Panarin under those type of, you know, two number ones, two prospects, and an existing player, the only way I'd even think about it is if you could do a sign and trade deal where you knew you had him for five, six years, then you might do it. But any GM that gives up that much and he's not already signed and you know you got a chance of losing him, I think that person should lose their job because to me that's, that's mortgaging your future when you give up two number ones, two top prospects, and an existing player. It's, mortgage, it's mortgaging your future for, what, eight weeks, 12 weeks of maybe, maybe getting you further in the playoffs. That's, that, to me, is more like gambling when you know the house is going to win. You know, it's, it, it's gambling away, everything, put it, putting all in on black when you know it's going to go white. Or there's a huge chance it'll go white. You know, and, you know, God love Aaron. God love him. He's worth everything that, that everybody wants to give up for him. You know, again, not knocking the player whatsoever, but I'm sorry, unless you absolutely know 100% that he's going to sign again, you're out of your mind for giving that much stuff up. Well, Sarah, I want to thank you so much for joining me. It's been great so far to be affiliated with Blues Rants and Ray and Tim and yourself and everybody else. I'm going to be having your buddy uh, Bobby Duquette on next week to talk about the Rampage. I'm hoping everybody's looking forward to that. and. 
I'm glad that you were able to join me today. I, I greatly appreciate your time. I know you're busy. Thank you for having me on, Lance. I appreciate it very much. And we'll have to talk about blues hockey again sometime. I'm sure I'll have you on because it's great for me to have my show and sit there and give my take all the time. But it's good for the fans to hear another voice besides mine. And I'm planning on, uh, I know we've got a couple things in the in the pipeline, hopefully, for Blues Rants here. We always do our game recaps, so those come out uh, either the day of or uh, in the morning or day after, depending on how the Blues do and how busy our schedules get. But uh, I've got some interesting things in the pipeline that I want to try and do. Uh, most of mine will have to wait to the off season because I want to do a central notebook uh, series, which basically is analyzing the last two years, all the central division opponents that we faced and how well we did and how we improved and things like that between the two years. So that's going to be pretty interesting for me to dig into. And we'll, uh, I'll definitely have a lot to talk about for the Predators. So I'm, uh, I'm excited about that one. Oh, great. I think uh, I'm looking forward to that and probably all the fans of the drop are looking forward to that. Again, Sarah, thanks for your time. Till next time, let's go Blues. Let's go Blues. Thanks, Lance. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Drop Podcast. To get more of the Drop, check out our website at droppodcast.com. You can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and the iHeartRadio app. You can follow us on Instagram at the.drop.podcast or on Twitter at Drop Hockey Show. You can email the Drop Podcast or host Lance DeScott at lanced at droppodcast.com. To find out more about Lineup Media, go to lineupmedia.fm. Until next time, let's go blues. This podcast was a presentation of lineupmedia.fm.